Being an entrepreneur sounds like, yes, another new client, I did it. But it can also sound like, I am really not understanding this technology and I'm feeling so overwhelmed. Am I even cut out for this? That's why I started the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast to help infopreneurs, coaches, and course creators who want to build a business online but are battling technology, overwhelm, procrastination, and even imposter syndrome. Think successfully, think differently, think bigger, and take action by learning tips from an array of business owners, all dropping knowledge on the Dark Horse Entrepreneur Podcast. Check us out at www.darkhorseschooling.com. Welcome to the Frugalpreneur Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah St. John, and my guest today is considered the fresh princess of email marketing. She shows small businesses how to build online relationships, package up their magic, and turn it into emails that people want to read and purchase from. Welcome to the show, Liz Wilcox. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me, Sarah. I'm so excited to finally have you on the show. This doesn't have to do with email marketing, but I love, you've got the whole 90s theme going. And between like how you dress, you've got sync posters, a Seinfeld hat, your website even, the phrases that it says like, hit me baby or whatever, like. Oh yeah, are- oops, you did it again. Yes. You didn't join my email list. <laughs> That's one of my favorites I've ever written. But yeah, I mean, just on the topic or subject of like being frugal, we think about how are we going to brand ourselves? We think about, well, branding is so expensive. To hire an expert is so expensive. But if we can use just even a little bit of like pop culture or something that's incredibly relatable for people and infuse it into our brand, it's like bada bing, bada boom, and you didn't spend a dime. And so when I was starting LizWilcox.com, I obviously am a huge NC 90s fan. And I thought, well, I'm not going to have to pay some crazy brand expert if I just go all in on this 90s theme. That's going to be super recognizable, relatable, et cetera, without anybody telling me, oh, you're like this, so you should have that, you know? And it's been a really cheap way to market myself. Like the next time, you hear NSYNC on the radio, or there's a Trolls 3 that's coming out, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, Justin Timberlake, he voices Branch. Justin Timberlake, Liz Wilcox, email. When was the last time I sent an email? I didn't have to do follow-up ads. I didn't have to, you know, get you over to my Instagram account. If you can figure out a way to brand yourself with something that's embedded in the culture, yeah, it's cheap, it's easy, it's fun, and it works. Yeah, I love it because I'm I grew up, you know, in the 90s. I, I don't know what your age is, but I'm I just recently turned 40. So the 90s was a big thing. How did you get into email marketing? How did that become your thing? Yeah, so I used to actually be an RV travel blogger. So I bought an RV because I hate cleaning and spending money. Hence why Sarah and I are becoming best friends, right? <laughs> And I thought, you know, oh, well, RVs are cheap and they're small. I won't have to clean. And so I bought an RV and then I started Googling how to take care of it. And I found all these bloggers and people traveling full time. And I thought, well, if they can do it, surely I can too. And I actually started an RV travel blog before I even started traveling. And I got 
really good at emails, sending emails to these people, getting them engaged, getting them interested in my travels and getting them interested in what I had to say about how to help them. And then I realized when I made that business work, and then when I realized other people were struggling and they were asking me, you know, Liz, you're a blogger, but I don't really see you blogging a lot. What are you doing? How are you making money? And I said, email marketing. And I said, well, I do that, but I'm not getting the results you get. That's when I realized I needed to sell that business and go all in on teaching people how to email. Okay. And how long have you been doing that? The email thing, I've been doing full-time for nearly four years. Okay. And I saw that your first product was a book about poop. Y'all. And it it made 7,000. Yes. Y'all, this is what I'm talking about. Like, when people were hearing those stories, I'm like, how the heck are you selling a book? Because I was RV traveling. So in an RV, the black tank is where your sewage goes. And so I wrote a book called Tales from the Black Tank, and it was a collection of hilariously crappy stories. And yeah, it made $7,000 in the first 90 days. It got picked up by an international sponsor. I ended up creating an RV maintenance course that had 141 people on the wait list. And then by the time I closed the cart, I had made 141 sales. So if you're new to business or you've got a side hustle and you're not aware, what is the typical conversion rate, Sarah? Like 1% to 3%? Yeah. Ma- yeah one. Maybe 10% if you're really lucky. I had every single person. So that's when I really knew, okay, if I'm selling, y'all, I sold a book about poop. I'm a five-foot-tall, 90s-loving chick in an RV. I'm selling an RV maintenance course to men in their 50s and 60s who are mostly retired. How is Liz Wilcox doing that? Well, that's the power of email. And if you don't get that, I want to help you with that. So that's when I went all in. Mm-hmm. On your website, notice it says every dollar you spend on email marketing, you can expect 42 back. That's the typical 40 $42. You can Google it right now. Pause the podcast. Leave a five-star review. Google it. You know, all those things. Y'all, I am so cheap. I am so, so cheap. Everything I'm wearing right now, either somebody gave me or I got at the thrift store, okay? and. So when I heard about email and I heard, oh, you could create a list for free. You can send emails for really low cost. When I compared that to, you know, advertising or hiring a marketing team, I didn't have any money. I was married at the time and he thought I was like joining a cult or something. He's like, that sounds like a pyramid scheme. What are you talking about? You can't make money on the Internet. You have to take your clothes off. What's going on? (laughs) And so I didn't have any money to spend. So I thought, okay, well. If I can start this email list and if I can just believe, if I can suspend all that doubt and just believe that stat is true for every buck I spend, I can get 40 in return. If I can just move up to that slowly, then I'm going to have a pretty good life. And now I do have a very good life, but it's just, you know, it might seem like an unbelievable stat, but it is true when you do email properly. You can get a lot of money in return on your investment. The average email service provider, they can range from free to, you know, 30 bucks a month, you know, depending on how many people you have on your list. And it really is, especially for those of us who can be really like bend hesitant to, I'll say, 
it's really, it really is the way to go and you will love it. So speaking of email service providers, is there one that you use and recommend? Yeah, well, there is one that I use. It's called ConvertKit. I think they have a, they now have a free version, but honestly, if you're going to have a business, sometimes you do have to spend money. I do recommend just going right into, I think it's $29 a month because you're going to get all the features and that's everything that you need to follow email marketing advice. It might seem like a lot, but it's really going to be worth it. As far as do I recommend you use ConvertKit, I'm not exactly sure. I'm not like a tech savvy person. What I want you to do is I'll list a few. MailChimp, ConvertKit, ActiveCampaign, MailerLite, Flowdesk, you know, write those down. Pick a few and go to YouTube, put 20 minutes on the clock and watch some over the shoulder videos. That is going to help you really figure out which one's best for you. The way my brain works is not the way Sarah's brain works, is not the way your brain works. So I really want you, especially because I do recommend investing in this to spend 20 minutes, say, oh yeah, that looks good. That feel, you know, that, that flow of things makes sense to my brain. That's the one I'm going for. And I mentioned the 20 minute timer because y'all, we will spend hours, won't we? Mm. Especially to save a dime. We will spend hours searching, searching, searching. I want you to put a timeline on it. I love ConvertKit. I feel like it has just enough features to not be confusing, but you might like Flowdesk or MailChimp. So go to YouTube, put 20 minutes on the clock, go through a couple tutorials, and you'll know which one's best for you. Yeah. And just to throw another one out there, SendFox, that's what I use. Um, okay. And they're they're free up to a certain number of subscribers. And then you can pay like, I think it's, is it 29 or 49 a one time to have Oh, it. wow. Yeah. But I, I really like it for like, if you're a podcaster or a blogger or a YouTube mm -hmm. creator, you can connect your YouTube channel or your blog or podcast RSS feed and it automatically creates newsletters based on your most recent episode or video or blog post and sends it out. So that's mainly I, I use it because it's free. Well, I did eventually do the one-time payment, but then yeah, with a podcast, I just like it. But I have heard really good things about ConvertKit and I've also tried MailerLite and really like that. So what is the biggest email mistake that people are making right now? We are all trying too hard. <laughs> So email, if you listen to another podcast on email, if you Google it right now, it's going to give you so much all at once and you're probably be overwhelmed. But the thing about email and what I love about it is, you know, it's all just laying one break at a time. You don't have to do everything at once. You don't have to. Of course, I recommend you send out a newsletter once a week, but you don't have to. You can start with once a month. And so... I think the biggest mistake is just trying to do too many things at once, trying to create segments and get all your tags proper and write an email, a sequence that's a year long because you need evergreen content. <laughs> uh, I was just on the phone today with someone that was talking about evergreen content, but they weren't even sure of who their ideal customer was or how to find them. I said, maybe you should just start writing newsletters and see what people actually click on before you try to write a sequence that's a year long. Another mistake I see as far as that goes, when you get started, Sarah and I talked about this before we hit record, 
trying to write a story in every single email. So everybody and their mother is on this story kick right now. Every marketer and guru out there is going to say, you got to tell stories. Stories connect. And listen, Sarah and I have told a couple stories already, you know, in the 12 minutes of this podcast so far. So it's not wrong. Stories do connect. That is correct. But here's the thing. It's a newsletter, not a novel. If you don't have time to write it, chances are your ideal person doesn't have time to read it. Raise your hand if you have hundreds, maybe thousands, maybe tens of thousands of emails that are unread right now because you know if you click on them, it's going to be this big, long wall of text about, oh, so-and-so walked their dog and they had this epiphany and now they're selling this $3,000 program and get in now, only five spots left. Boo, hiss, tomato, tomato. That is not needed every single week. It's a little too much. What I look up email as is like, first you have a follower and you're just trying to turn them into a friend. And when you've got a list of friends, You've got a list of customers. I call that the email staircase, follower, friend, customer. And so when you talk to your friends on the phone, sometimes you don't, or you write them or you're DMing them. It's not this big, long story. It's like, hey, I got to get this thing done. I'll call you tomorrow or real quick. This is what we're meeting on at Friday. Can you pick up my daughter or hey, what restaurant is that? Can you send me the pin so I can GPS it? We're not Sure, we are storytellers, but we got to get something done. We got to get something done. And it's quick, that quick communication. So you can do that in your newsletter. Instead of writing those stories, just give a quick personal update, two to three sentences about something you did since the last time you emailed. For me, it was, hey, I moved into a new house. It's been 14 days now. I'm still not unpacked. That is a story, sure, but I didn't have a beginning, a middle, and an end. It was just, it is what it is. And then you can segue into the content. And by segue, I mean, hit that caps lock button on your keyboard, type in the word anyway, dot, dot, dot. What I really wanted to talk about today is my new podcast episode, this new blog post. I started a YouTube channel. I'm wondering if you'd be interested in X. You know, whatever the content is. So just a quick personal update, segue into the content. And then, of course, if you've got something to hyperlink out to, do that. And then get the heck out of there. People will respect you because they respect or because you respect their inbox. Yeah, I love that. So do you have a certain word limit that you would recommend in an email? Like how long is too long? Yeah. So I don't like to tell people what to do, but as a rule of thumb, something that I follow is about 400 words or less. Again, remember, if you learn nothing else or if you take nothing else, remember Liz's voice. It's a newsletter, not a novel. (laughs) I can keep it short. Here's your permission slip, right? So about 400 words is good, but here's what I really want you to know about your inbox. You've got to be, it's the same as the mailbox, right? If I sent you a letter today, you'll be like, oh my gosh, Liz sent me something. I can't believe it. And everything else would put it in the junk drawer, right? Or in that basket on your kitchen counter, right? We all have something like that. It's the same in the inbox. Oh, that's spam. How'd they get my email? That's a bill. I don't have to open that yet. Oh, wow. Sarah sent me something. I wonder what's inside. 
that's because we're being familiar but not predictable in the inbox. It's the same as like if you got a letter from me, oh, I know who Liz Wilcox is. I don't know what's inside, so I have to open it right away. So as far as the word count, one day you might have a really short 100-word email like, hey, I made a new video. Here it is. The other, it might, hey, I made a new video. Here's the top three points if you can't click over right now. And then the next one might be longer to Sarah's point of how long is too long. Well, as long as you're varying that content, you're being familiar. I know who Sarah is, but I don't know what's inside. Not predictable. You can have a much longer email. As long as you might preface at the top, hey, this one is much longer than normal, but I want you to read it because X, Y, Z. Or if you can't read it all right now, here's the gist. Okay, let me get into it. So just be sure to vary your content, be familiar. I know who X is, but not predictable. I wonder what's inside and you're going to be good to go. Okay, so I think for a while there, it was popular to have like images, a lot of images and stuff like that in emails. And then at least last I knew, it was recommended to just mainly have text. Is that still the case or what are your thoughts there? Yeah, so with emails, the problem with images is deliverability. And you can Google deliverability right now, but I don't recommend it because a lot of the advice you're going to find is written by companies or writers that work for giant corporations. We're talking Old Navy or the NFL or something like that, where people are sending millions of emails a month. And so every little deliverability piece counts. People like us, you know, micro content creators or Maybe we're just starting to build our list. We have less than a thousand, less than a hundred. We can put images in there because again, we're trying to make friends. And so when we make friends, when we follow that, be familiar, not predictable, we can get away with more images because it's a green flag. People want to get to know us personally. And so they're going to open. If you put in the subject line or the preview text, there's a picture in here. People are going to open because they're curious about you. They opted in not just for your information, but there's something about you as a personal brand or, you know, solopreneur, quote unquote, that they are interested in. So while I don't recommend putting a ton of images in every single email, one or two a few times a month is not really going to, you know, kill your deliverability rate because you're not sending millions of emails, which means you're not, you know, raising a million red flags to what I call the internet gods, things that are crawling around the internet saying, oh yeah, Sarah, that's a good email, or nope, she goes in spam, right? But when we're following that email staircase, follower, friend, customer, when we're really writing to people in a way that gets to know them and for you to, you know, show your true self also to them and what you can provide, an image is really not going to hurt you so much because you're doing everything else right. And you only have so many people. You're not sending millions of emails. You might be sending hundreds or thousands a month. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So you had mentioned just in passing kind of about going into spam. What tips do you have to keep us out of the spam folder? So like I said, you can Google a bunch and they're going to give you, you know, strategies or tactics or a bunch of do's and do nots. 
But here's what really keeps you out of the spam folder. Having a very solid way of building your list so you're only getting people onto your list that actually want what you have to offer. Having a very, what's the opposite of general? Having a very like niche down freebie so that it's like, yes, only people for me, only people who are really interested in email, they've heard what it's about and they're ready, write their welcome sequence are joining my list because my freebie is a welcome sequence. It's like, okay, they're already there. And so that getting the right people on your email list because they're going to actually open your emails is going to help. And number two, getting that welcome sequence right. So making sure you're showing off a little bit of your personality, aka branding, right? A little bit of your vision. Hey, Sarah, I want you to make money with email. That's my vision. What's yours? Sharing that in the welcome sequence. So again, people are reminded and know with 100% certainty, I'm on the right email list. I want to hear more from Sarah, from Liz, from Justin, from Joey. <laughs> Those are instinct members. By the way, I got to throw them in there, right? And then your values. So you might not think about this or even putting it in your welcome sequence. There are certain values, certain principles that drive you. And we live in this amazing market where people want to buy from people. So sharing a little bit of your values up front, again, is going to solidify. I want to learn about business from Sarah, right? So obviously the name of this podcast is Frugalpreneur. Being wise with your money, I already know that's a value of Sarah's, right? Her putting something like that in the welcome say sequence, say, hey, I want to help you build a business, but I don't want to just, you know, tell you what softwares to use and upsell you to, you know, my business mentor and this and that. You know, I'm here to help you spend your money wisely, you know, build on a bootstrap budget. That's very values based, right? And that's connected with you. That's why you're listening to this podcast or watching this YouTube video right now, right? For me, it's the same. My main offer, guys, is nine bucks a month. And I tell people that's not because it's crappy. It's because I value your dime, not just mine, right? And so I say that right in the welcome sequence. So again, that's a little bit of your personality. For me, it's like, hey, I love the 90s. Your vision, for me, it's, hey, I want you to make money with email and your values. It's like, hey, I value your money just as much as mine. Let's get going. So sharing that in the welcome sequence is going to either get people like Sarah's doing right now, nodding her head. That sounds great, Liz. Or it's going to be, well, actually, I really just want someone to do this for me. Your offer's nine bucks. I got to go somewhere else. And they're going to unsubscribe. And unsubscribes in the welcome sequence are really good because of Sarah's question. How can I stay out of spam? How can I get my emails delivered? You only want the people that really want to be there on your list. So again, getting the right people in the first place and following up with a welcome sequence that says, hey, this is where we're at. Are you sure you're in the right place? Is going to really, really get your open rate up and keep you out of spam, no matter what rules you're breaking, according to Google. <laughs> and do you also recommend asking a question in the email so that it prompts them to respond and therefore... Google or whoever the al algorithm knows to keep that in your inbox. Yes. Oh, my gosh. I call them the Internet gods, whatever is going on out there, you know, dictating what we do. 
So yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad Sarah brought up this question. I highly recommend in the first or second email you send out, ask a question, but not just any general question. It must be. And again, I don't like to tell people what to do, but this is the one thing I'm really a stickler about. It must be a yes or no question. We're not going to ask people, where are you in your hand sewing journey? Or even saying something like, what, who's your favorite NSYNC member? Gotta be something in the forefront of their mind. Like it's as easy as answering, what's your name? So for example, for me, it's, do you write a newsletter every single week? Yes or no, hit reply. And people sometimes just say no, or sometimes just say yes. But chances are people are going to open up because it was so easy to say yes. You're going to say, yes, I've been doing it for a year. I'm so proud of myself. Or no, that's why I'm on your list, Liz. Duh. Right? And so it's got to be one of those questions they can answer immediately. Because remember, we're following that staircase, follower to friend to customer. They're not our friends yet. So asking an open-ended question like, where are you at in your journey? Or how do you feel about XYZ? How do you feel about budget spreadsheets? It's got to be that yes or no that they can answer immediately. And then they're probably going to open up even more. I just read that the other day and I was like, actually, that's a really good idea. So one thing you talk about are the three simple metrics to track in your emails besides open rates. Can you explain what those are? Sure. So open rates, you might have heard, are dead. That's not exactly true. I don't believe open rates are done. I think you should still track them. They're not wholly accurate. So if you send out an email and it says you have a 60% open rate, it could be more like 50, 40, or 30, depending on how many people who use Apple Mail open your emails. I won't go into that. But you should still look at your open rate. If today's email was 60% and next week was 50, you can likely think, yeah, that was a 10% decrease. What the heck did I do wrong, right? So outside of that, you want to check your click rate. Of course, that's mostly accurate. Side note, metrics, the internet is never perfect, just like the real world. And so your click rates could be slightly off, but don't stress about them. They're always going to be slightly off. So that means they're better tracked. So your click rate is another excellent one to track because that shows you how many people aren't just opening, but they're clicking on your suggestion, whether it's a sales page, a piece of content, someone else's piece of content. Those people are going to be really, really engaged. And the more people we can have that are engaged, the more we're going to get close to that. I spent $1, I made 40, right? Let's bring it back there. Another great metric to track and the number one metric I track you have to probably do this manually. Your email service provider probably isn't going to show you this. It's your percentage of customers. Y'all, we are in business, right, Sarah? We're not in business just to feed ourselves with feel-good vibes, right? We have to have money because we have stomachs. We have mouths to feed. We have glasses to buy. We have clothes that need to be worn, right? We have things to buy. And so I track my percentage of customers. How many people have purchased something on my email list? It's a really easy one to track, but you have to do it manually with a tag or a group or a segment. And you just divide that number over the total number. Right now, if you don't have any, try to get to 10%, 10 out of 100 people. Can I make 
can I get 10 people to buy this workshop or this workbook or come to my masterclass, whatever, right? Buy my printable. And then just go from there. I always say, like, people say, oh, what's the average? What's good? What's good is whatever you have and add 1%. And just do that over and over and over again. And then one day you'll be like, whoa, I've really grown. I feel so solid about these numbers. But that percentage of customers is so important because I know if I can get you in the door for a dollar, I could get you to spend a thousand. That's how strongly I believe in my products and what I have to offer. Well, then, sorry, y'all. I've been on vacation for a few months. I'm trying to think of the third thing. <laughs> there's, there's so, there's so many things you could track. Really. Well, I would say still track your open rate. Make sure that click rate is always improving and then making sure your percentage of customers. Another one that you can't necessarily track or you'd have to do it manually is how many people are replying to you. And this might have to be more of a gut feeling. You go to your email, you sent one out yesterday, you've got 20 replies. That might feel amazing to you or it might feel oh gosh, I wish it was more like 50. What's going on here? So that's another one to kind of gut measure. It's not something you can really track, but it's really, really important. Just like Sarah and I talked earlier, when you can get those replies, those are the people that are really, really engaged. You know, you could either come up with a product for them because they're talking to you, or you can reach out to them individually or even create some kind of tag and say, oh, Sarah replied to me. I'm going to go manually add that tag. That's a great, great metric. Okay. And of course, someone opening your email and replying to it or clicking a link or buying your thing, that's one thing. But the very first step is to get them to actually open the email. And a lot of times it has to do with the subject line. I use, so with Sendfox, as I mentioned earlier, one other feature I really like is that you can type in your subject line and it'll rate it. It'll be like B minus. It doesn't really offer suggestions on how to make it better, but you can just kind of fool around with it. And I, I usually attempt for at least an A or A plus and the open rates are really good. And I think there's something else called, I don't know if it's subjectline.com or something like that. But what are your tip when it comes to your subject line? Okay, so... I love Sarah, but I'm going to disagree with her for a second. Live here. <laughs> you heard it here first. So Sarah said something about, oh, your open rates are really important. Getting people to open your email is really important. And I totally agree. You could have an invitation to the Last Supper, but nobody is showing up if nobody opened that email, right? <laughs> but what I disagree about is it's not always about the subject line. It's more about the from line. This is from Sarah. So when we are in our inbox, we're looking for something that was written just to us. It's the same follower, friend, customer. It's what I said, oh, Liz sent me something in the mail. What could it be? I have to open this. And we throw everything else in the junk drawer, right? So if you can get your emails to a point where I just see Sarah's name and I just open it because it's from Sarah, I'm not even looking at the subject line. And I guarantee you, if you pause this for a second, you would think, or you might already know, like, oh, yeah, I have someone like that. Maybe it's Sarah. I hope so. I see her email and I just open it anyway. So I've already given advice on how to do that, making sure your freebie is right and making sure in your welcome sequence, you're showing that personality, vision and values. 
that's going to help that from line stand out and people are going to open. Now, of course, the subject line is important. That's not saying never have a subject line <laughs> and just you can just leave it no subject and everyone, you know, your open rate's going to go up. That's not true because some people might, we still need that extra, that extra push to get us to open most of the time. Of course, our super fans are just going to see, oh, it's from Sarah. I'm opening that right away. But our subject line, the best ones, again, what can I write in the subject line that's for a friend? We're not trying to please the internet gods. We're not trying to do SEO. We're just writing this. We're trying to make friends in the inbox because we want them to just look at the from line and open. So what could I, what would I say if I was actually just sending this to Sarah today? And I knew Sarah was really into bootstrapping her business. What would that subject line be? And that's what you should write. I highly recommend writing the email out first, thinking, what is the gist of this? And if I'm sending this to my best customer or my number one fan, what is the subject line then, right? Because that is going to move people into those best customers, that number one fan thing. Because only the people that are really into it are going to open, right? They're, oh, yeah, I love this subject line. Or, oh, that's, that was written just to me, right? It has to feel super personal. And when in doubt, I actually, I don't know what subjectline.com is or whatever, but in my freebie. And actually on just listwilcox.com, I have a subject line generator. So you can just go and scroll down like halfway and it says like need a subject line and you can just click the button and just pick whichever one you want. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to test that out. So before we started recording, you had mentioned that you have like 12 tips or something like that, but I, I think we've probably covered some of them, but were there any in particular that we haven't covered that you wanted to cover? Yeah, so we were talking about just list building strategies. I was saying Facebook has enough money. I don't run ads to build my list. And you might be averse to that too. So if you're wondering how to build your list, you know, without really spending any money, the main thing I want you to know is that list building and visibility go hand in hand. It's like Mary Kate Ashley, Tia and Tamara. They look the same, but I know they're different, right? And so think of list building and visibility, Tia and Tamara. What I mean by that is the more visible you can become in your business, the more your list is going to grow. For example, I do a lot of podcasts. Surprise, surprise. I think in the last two and a half years, I've done over 300 podcasts. And so now I was telling Sarah, I took 90 days off this summer. My list grew by like 1,500. That's because those podcasts are evergreen. People are listening to them for years. We're recording this August 2023. You might be listening and it's 2025. I don't know. And so that's the beauty of becoming visible. Those things are evergreen. They live forever. Even if you went and did an in-person event and you might think, oh, well, that's live. That's not evergreen. You're going to be in that person's mind for a while and they and them telling other people about you is evergreen, right? Oh, you need help with business? I, I know a guy. I know Sarah. I know Liz, right? And so really just the more you can be visible in your business, the more your list is going to grow. I know it feels cringy. It's like, oh, Liz, I would never do a podcast. I'm afraid of public speaking. Well, so was I. And now that I'm talking about it, I'm starting to get little hives just thinking about it. But 
You can also, guest blogging is a great one. Doing summits, doing bundles, doing even just JV partnerships. Just if Sarah and I were to do a link swap, hey, I'm going to share your freebie to my email list. You're going to share mine to yours. That's a great way to get going. It's a great way to network with people that are doing similar things, to cross audiences, to become visible, to build your list. And it's free, baby. Yeah, and that's what we're, we're all about is free or super affordable ways, which, I mean, just email marketing, period, is a super affordable way to reach people. But yeah, there's plenty of free ways to go about it, like podcasts, guesting, and and making sure you have some kind of lead magnet when you're a podcast guest to recommend so that you can get people to your email list or, you know, guest blogging, like all the things that you mentioned. I think are great. So, and I, speaking of which, I believe you have a freebie on your website. I sure do. Thanks for asking, Sarah. (laughs) Yeah. So all of this stuff, again, it can feel like a lot. And where do you start? Of course, I talked earlier about making sure your welcome sequence was top notch. So the right people are on your list. So if you go directly to LizWilcox.com, You hit the hot pink button in the right-hand corner. It's going to give you an entire welcome sequence already written for you so you can take and make it your own. You're also going to get three newsletter examples so you can see how to follow up. One is going to show you how to get people to click. Another is going to show you how to get people to reply. And the last one is to show you how to get people to buy directly from your newsletter. And if that's not enough, another thing Sarah and I talked about was subject lines. You also get 52 subject lines, all for free, LizWilcox.com, hot pink button. You can't miss it. Awesome. Yeah, and I'll include that link in the show notes as well. So you can just scroll down and click it and it goes right there. Awesome. Well, I I appreciate your time today. It's, It's been a long time. I think I've maybe only had one episode about email marketing and it's been a while. So this, I think, is definitely a good subject to cover so i really awesome yeah of course thank you so much for having me and i can't wait to see what everybody does with email are you a frugalpreneur looking to connect with like-minded individuals join our community on slack connect with fellow listeners share your thoughts on episodes engage in meaningful discussions including money-saving tips and entrepreneurial insights, and help shape the future of the Frugalpreneur podcast. Plus, you can submit your questions in written or audio form to be featured on the show. Let's build a supportive space together. Join us now at frugal.show forward slash slack. See you on the inside.